0: hello you're all very welcome i explain my mental health podcast episode number 37 with myself david o'connor thanks very much for listening to say it's been a while since the last episode would be quite the understatement it's been over a year october 2020 was the last time i knocked one of these out and i suppose in many ways you could label this episode number one it's somewhat of a reboot and looks been a couple of reasons, straight into it. I broke the golden rule. I went back and actually listened to that episode I put out, True There's a Contact Sport, episode number thirty six. And I never listened to any interview I ever do because, you know, that token line, can't stand the sound of my own voice. You can don't think anybody has ever come out and said well I listened to that back because I love the sound of my own voice but I suppose just in terms of context I went back to listen to it and it was difficult and look if you're only new you're just jumping on this now curiosity and again for some context I use I use this podcast to just speak about you know in terms of mental health different triggers different inspirations you know striking a balance between my struggles, my successes, the good days, the bad days and everything in between. And in that last episode, I had, I was kind of just coming out of a really bad period. and a bit of a breakdown in August 2020. I was out of work. It was um, quite emotional. It was quite distressing. And I spoke about going to my GP, to kind of seek further help and it was put out with the intention of maybe smoothing a path for someone else who was just reluctant to maybe go and talk to a professional and I just wanted to talk about my own experience and heading down that road because up until that point over the last 10 years in terms of the treatment the therapy and taking steps to look after myself mentally it had been done in a private setting through, you know, private counsellors, counsellors or therapists. So presenting myself to my GP was quite new. And in the episode, I, I sort of mixed emotions on it because, like I said, to listen back and to hear my voice, just I can hear the heart, I can hear where I am emotionally, I can hear very clearly where I am mentally, and it's it was hard to listen to But... Also, I, I was quite proud listening to it because, you know, just to say over a year on, I'm kind of looking at it thinking, Jesus, I have made so much progress on doing so well and I'm so proud of myself and these are little things I probably don't say enough. I mean, we all, we all don't say it enough, but I'm so proud of myself, the effort I have put in and how far I've come because going back to where I was then, like it, it, was, it was heavy and it's probably the third time in my life I've been at such a place. Um, but there was an intensity to that period of my life that was very, very difficult to sort of balance, very difficult to hold internally and to look back, reflect upon 12, 14 months. It's it's nice to be able to sit here today with a little bit of inspiration to maybe talk about how I feel I've gotten to this point. Um, and again, I'm cautious of how I put that out there because... You know, it's easy. Maybe, maybe you get that sort of. Oh, well, that's easy for you. You know, you're there. Well, I'm still struggling, and that's not the case. It's not the sort of. Well, look at me. I'm here. Hard luck. It's again the smooth a path to hopefully hold the door for somebody who could be in a pretty dire place at the moment, or not feeling great in themselves. That, to say, look, I've been there. I'm I'm there regularly, but Jesus, I'm pushing on, and this is where I've gotten to myself, as difficult as it may be. So in terms of sort of a a one-year hiatus of the podcast, like, so was a couple of reasons for that, like, I had done over a year, I think it was 36 episodes, a couple of different interviews, and my intention was always to sort of put something out when there was something in my head, when there was, you know, something sort of dying to get out whether it was talking about a book, a film, something bad I'd experienced, something good, something i discovered that maybe made me feel a little bit better about myself. And I was always cautious that I didn't want it to become this weekly thing that was just dropped out every week um, with maybe no heart or no soul in it. So I think first up I've had a very busy year, very productive year. It's been great and it just wasn't a priority in terms of putting an episode together. I think secondly, in terms of what we've all lived through the last two years, I just think there was enough commentary, enough sort of podcast material, enough help and support, where people were offering good advice, good conversation around the topic of mental health. That I don't think I really would have added to the quality um, around that discussion. So I think it was certainly, you know, a crowd, a crowded space. And I was happy to sit back and maybe listen to a few other people across the course of the year as well. And again, like just kind of this week, I think a lot based with where I am in terms of my headspace and the good place I am in, I actually had a little bit of, well, you know what, I I think I do have something to say here. I think of maybe a, a list of a couple of things that have sort of helped me this year and how I've gone from that place to where I am now and maybe there's something in it for somebody that could be of help so I think to kind of go straight into it and again this format sort of there's nothing uh, there's nothing very professional about what we're doing here I'm sitting in a spare room here with a 5 euro mic hooked up to my phone came up here for a bit of silence I have a few notes in front of me and I'm just going to talk into my phone for the next 20 minutes or so and there's no team there's no production team <clears throat> there's no egg boxes on the wall to be plenty of mistakes plenty of plenty of cursing plenty of trip ups but it's all good i'm just going to put out here what i've been through what i've learned what i'm trying to do to stay healthy and well and like i say i'm just very hopeful that this could help and be of help to somebody um over the next week or so or next month or whenever you may come across this podcast so, look, if you are listening, I'd appreciate thereafter if you could give it a share, give it a tag. You'll find me on Instagram. It's at performance underscore doc doc. So, if you could maybe give it a share in your stories or tag a friend that you feel it may could be helpful and maybe leave a review on Spotify or iTunes. would be greatly appreciated. So, thanks very much. So, following on, again, to go back to that podcast where I... um. Presented at GP what came from that was an eight-month waiting list for Psychiatric treatment, <clears throat> so I went to see a psychiatrist and It's very much uh, You know It says it all in terms of mental health services over here that you have to be left waiting for eight months or something now It sat well with me because I was in that bad a place mentally I don't think going to a psychiatrist immediately would have done me any good i don't think i was actually in the best place to kind of talk to a psychiatrist So i was completely and utterly all over the place so i suppose to have that eight month space that gap to maybe just take a bit of time to work on myself and know that it was coming it, it did give me a little bit of a chance to settle myself down to get back to sort of simple practices in terms of meditation journaling and um, just looking after myself a little bit better um to kind of prepare myself for that, so how do you describe a, a session with a psychiatrist there's a lot of emotional plasters that get ripped off that is that is for sure, and um, this was twelve rounds in a cage for with myself um with everything smashed and broken and bloody, you know internally, but you 've no choice but to just fight on. It went on for about three hours. It was um, it was heavy. It was exhausting, but it was necessary. And to be fair to the doctor that I spoke to, he was brilliant. Um, he wasn't patronising. He didn't make me feel in any way insecure or put me down. He was very understanding, very encouraging, and and just someone I felt at ease with straight away. And I know with therapists again with counselling in my in a previous life and over the years having booked sessions with different people I haven't struck a chord with different counsellors and I've left after the session and never gone back because I just know no, the chemistry just isn't there so to go into something to step up a little bit I suppose you're in this big HSE building, you're queuing up you have to give a Urline test on your way in um, which caught me out a little bit because I was like what it's, what did I do wrong kind of thing and look I mean it's a standard practice they just need to make sure you've obviously no drugs or alcohol in your system or you know you may be a potential threat to staff um, or to yourself but again it's probably one thing I took from that afterwards was they maybe could have given you a little bit of not a warning but just sort of told you that before you go in here look this is what you're going to have to do Um <clears throat> But no stone was left untorned, I mean, it went back to everything I knew about my parents, about my parents' childhood, about my family history, um, about my grandparents, where I lived, where I grew up, um, you know, different structures that were in place, who I was friends with, who I hung around and what I did ground, it went right back and... I had to take a couple of breaks, get out, get a bit of fresh air, get some water, plenty of tears. I had a headache, it's, you know, afterwards, because you're just trying to think, you're trying to get the best answers out, and you want to do your best in it. Um, and it makes it sound somewhat like you know, it's an exam, but I was sort of in this in my head. It was like, look, I've waited this long, I want to get the most out of this as much as it's hurting, as hard as this may be. Um, and I suppose not to paint too much of a gloomy picture. I mean, look, there were some light moments as well. And a few little laughs along the way too. And yeah, it was uh, it was certainly something new. So look, what came of it, and I could go on for hours about this because it was so much and it's still quite vivid. And um, that session was in April, the fourth session. And it is still quite vivid because it stayed with me. It stayed with me because for the first time in my life, whilst I was completely and utterly exhausted leaving that place, I felt I had a little bit of clarity. I felt I had a good understanding in terms of where I was, in terms of, you know, how everything in my life had sort of shaped where I was at. And I felt comfortable with it. And it was nice to be able to say that, that to say, look, this is where I'm at now. I know I am here and I accept why I'm here, but this isn't the end, this is only the beginning. And I'm gonna take all the steps necessary to make sure that I'm not back where I was, presenting myself to a GP, just completely and utterly confused and lost and not knowing where I was going or why I was there. So what came of it, he spoke of emotional dysregulation. And that's sort of a scale. And maybe identifying sort of where I was on that scale or where I am on that scale, because in, in terms of emotional dysregulation, what it does is it leaves you or leaves somebody sort of prone to depressive episodes, which I've certainly been prone to since childhood and growing up. And listen, I I'm fully aware. That this is, I'm speaking in layman's terms, more so for me to understand and keep a grasp of the conversation. Um, you know, somebody much more versed in this. Uh, professionally we'll be able to go in a lot more detail but just to sort of relay what I was told um, we're working on a scale of emotional dysregulation prone to depressive episodes and sometimes a little bit lost in my emotions and too busy fighting them to maybe understand them accept them and try and move on which made a lot of sense to me Um, I'd done a good bit of CBT in the past which is cognitive behaviour therapy and I suppose maybe to sum that up, you just, in many ways, it helps people sort of uh, take ownership of their thoughts, maybe change their thoughts to modify their feelings um, and, and, you know, modify their actions thereafter too. So I've done a good bit of that. And what was sort of recommended to me was a, a therapy called dialectal behavior therapy, which is an extension of CBT, um, which was sort of additional components to it. And a big sort of focus on this um, was elements of sort of distressed tolerance and acceptance of feelings. Like I just said, they're sort of recognizing what these feelings are and not fighting to change them. And again, this made sense because I spoke in that last episode ahead of presenting myself to the GP in those moments where I was just at home alone, um, off work, trying to get by day by day. I spoke about kind of sitting at the back door with the door open, the wind blowing on my face, not feeling the best, but just saying, I don't feel great and it's okay. So, I suppose prior to that psychiatry and prior to sort of being advised about this um, method of therapy, I'd begun to sort of slip this in. And one book I, I've never. I'm not big on self-help books. i would moved away from them quite a long time on the basis that I felt it got to a stage where it was causing me more problems than actual help because I'd get a book, put all my trust in it and all my faith in it and then obviously fall by the wayside, maybe not do the work or just sort of left, let myself wonder why it didn't work. So I remember I did get a book... Uh can't remember the author. I think it's Harry Barry. He's a series of books around anxiety and depression, but he had a book on self-acceptance. And I really immersed myself in that, and it really helped. And without really knowing it, it helped me prepare for this session and for the DBT as well, uh, which over the course of, you know, the different sessions and the different therapy that was advised um, on an online setting, just has helped, I suppose, kind of recognizing the difference between primary emotions and secondary emotions. So what I mean by that is if something happens, mm-hmm. you know, you get this burst and it could be a burst, something bad happens, maybe in a work set you get this burst of anger and it's so outrageous or you're so overwhelmed, but you just can't do anything in the moment. And this is where I'd often fall down where if I got that bout of, you know, just being subdued, this melancholy, and not being able to deal with it. Whereas with this, it was a case of, just accept it. You can't fight this in the moment. The next day, when that emotion has subsided and is maybe replaced with a secondary emotion, which could be guilt, and I found that a lot since becoming a father, that guilt follows a lot of this bad feeling that I have. Um, because it's not just me anymore. I think of a family. I think of my kids. Um, I think of those around me. It, it's it's not as independent. There's people around me that are affected. So that secondary emotion around guilt is definitely something I can work with. And I can work with it. Um, I, I use that word eternally. Like I, um, and I've, I've mentioned it a few times already. But internally, I can begin to work with that. And then in terms of my actions, I can work with it. So if it's the case of just loving You know, loving my kids more, loving my son more, loving those around me more um, to overcome that guilt, to show I am a good dad, I'm a good person. I don't need to feel guilty because I had a shit day yesterday and I was feeling really bad. So I found that really helpful, almost teaching yourself to be patient and wait for that secondary emotion to sort of strike. And it's not easy. It certainly isn't easy to try and sit with an emotion that's quite powerful and quite raw. It's very difficult. And I think maybe grief is a good example for people. I often use the example of grief in terms of mental health because it's something we're all going to have to deal with at some stage in our life. And I think with grief, you know, we talk about the different stages of grief, which is often painted as being this linear stage from, you know, anger, denial, um, regress. It can hit you in different ways and different shapes and forms in, in a day, let alone over the course of a month. So I suppose the grief, maybe just waiting for the secondary emotion to hit to try and deal with that is something that maybe could be a good example to give. And again, keen to overstate here, this is my opinion, not science, not fact. It's just me trying to better understand the information that while well, he was presented with earlier this year. So another big element in terms of dialectal behavior therapy is Working with better relationships and that starts with in yourself and this is something again I I really sort of resonated with it made a lot of sense to me and it was something I was very keen to work on because it's areas I fell down with. When we talk about better relationships the area focuses in terms of assertiveness with yourself and what that's lined up with is self worth and not sort of falling down to a level where you're maybe losing respect in yourself you're letting yourself down just to please other people. And that's a difficult thing. I think for myself, and I'm, I'm not ashamed kind of to say, or I'm not blowing my own trumpet in any way, but I think I've always tried to put other people first and try and help people and do me best for people. And it's not a bad thing, <clears throat> but I suppose in many ways, too much of anything isn't always good. So trying to be a little bit more assertive and a little bit more protective of my mental and my physical energy and the areas they've sort of covered in this is just kind of learning to stand up for yourself and that goes again it goes back to big on self-worth self-respect and making adult decisions that suit you as an adult as opposed to pleasing the inner child of the person you're dealing with I better agree with A so I don't upset him and the reality is I'm dealing with an adult so I have to make the decision that's best for me, best for my mental health. And this isn't being about being selfish, it's just about being looking after yourself. And again, it's not easy. It takes a bit of practice. Mm. I get it wrong. I still mess up, but it's something again, because of the structure I've been given, the information I've been given, I know how to work it. I have a plan in terms of how to work that. <clears throat> Drawing boundaries was another one. So it's along similar lines and Again, I was, I don't want to say guilty of this, because it's something I just sort of immerse myself in, something I kind of enjoy doing, which is just getting to know people, building trust with people, um, building relationships. And I suppose what this does is <clears throat> help you recognise what relationships are worthwhile building. And I suppose, look, to be the late end of my 30s, I'm at a stage now where a lot of my friends, you know, everyone's a lot of similar situations. They're married, kids, working, don't get the sit With people and see people as much as you'd like but a good indication of who's important and who you share your love with and share your time is you could go eight nine months a year without seeing somebody but when you hook up or when you speak it's like you only saw them yesterday and that's usually a good sign of you know who your friends are who is worth trusting who is worth you know who is worth your time and your energy and um, then kind of, as, as I suppose what else, it, again, just maintaining relationships and that's that example there that I've given, I suppose, but um, all really good, all really helpful stuff, <clears throat> uh, all challenging in many different ways, which is fine, but that in itself, the DBT is something I was unaware of, but the clarity, I, I, as I said, the clarity I had coming out of that session and the clarity I have in terms of walking through that piece over the year, has really really helped and I, I'm confident it's coming across and me voice me hold the mean or that I just feel good having gone through this. I feel good that I found I wish I'd found this this element of, of therapy relating to CBT. I wish I'd come across it ten years ago. Um, that's probably my own it's not even a regret it's just something I would have liked to have have discovered at an earlier age. But look I am this is where I'm at now I got it maybe when I needed it the most and it's really, really helped. Let's take a little sip of water there. <clears throat> a little cough, which I tend to do over a hundred times an episode. So in terms of the year, 2021, I, I mean, naturally I couldn't just sit on therapy and rely on that. You need to live. and need to get back out there and i don't like saying setting goals i'm not a very goal orientated person I, I get i'm very enthusiastic i get very really excited about things i want to do and i'm that type of person that i know people would say once you put your mind to something you're on it and it's a nice way i suppose to maybe sum things up in terms of what i'm enthusiastic about and what i want to do and what i want to achieve so i suppose on a personal level on top of the the therapy the psychiatry the different sessions. Like what have I done? And when I look back over the year, I was kind of thinking, is there sort of maybe three, four, five things I've done this year that have really helped bring me to this stage where I feel I'm ending the year much more confident, much more strong and much more sort of ready for the challenges that life will maybe present to me and most certainly will present to me as I grow older. So I think a couple of things. And the first thing is to focus on longevity and health over performance and what I mean by that is for me in terms of my training which I love I I love getting out running as most you will know if anybody does know me I love running it's a big part of my life it's a big part of my mental health practice but at 37 I mean I'm not going to be an Olympian I'm not going to win races it's never been a competitive thing for me I've used it and utilized it well in terms of sort of charity runs in terms of fundraising and you know, different areas relative to mental health, mental illness. And I've achieved some very special things, which I'm really proud of. But a lot of the time, when it comes to, I suppose, training and exercise, a massive thing is, I'm going to do this three-month marathon plan. I'm going to do this six-week course. Whereas the whole thing I'm trying to embody now is, I am training for the 50-year-old me. That's my driver now, is to maintain good health and longevity and make sure I've said three words to make sure that I'm strong physically and mentally, to make sure that I'm ready physically and mentally, and to make sure I'm confident in myself. And that comes from doing all those good things. I'm sometimes critical of sort of the discussion around mental health awareness that it's almost just thrown out there. Oh, eat well, sleep well you know, exercise and everything will be fine. And when you're in pits of despair, the pits of depression, when you hear that, like you literally want to tear a wall down, it it can be difficult to sort of listen to that because at, the, at your worst days and your worst moments, you just wish it was that easy. But like everything, it just, it takes effort. It takes commitment, it takes discipline. And I had to, I knew kind of, moving into this year as that year progressed it's like i need to grasp onto something different here i need to grasp onto something important uh as opposed as like i said instead right i need to train for 20 marathons in 20 days because i've already done 10. i need to train for health uh, as i said i get a little bit older i look i feel i'm healthy i'm well and in good physical condition but that, that is the driver 50 old me because I want to be active, I want to be healthy, I want to be energetic, <clears throat> and again I want to be there for my kids, for my grandkids, and I want to be out, I don't want to be hobbling around with sore hips, sore knees, um, overweight, not feeling good in myself, I just want to be active, and live a good active healthy lifestyle that I do now, but I want to embody that with decisions on a day-to-day basis that are going to help me. and. You know, the good thing about that is I suppose how do you measure it? I measure it by the fact I'm still alive and I'm still moving. It's thirteen years away. However, you know, in terms of those small steps on a day to day basis, really all I'm doing is prioritizing all the things that I love doing. Running, walking, hiking, you know, lifting in the gym. I love deadlifting. As an S and C coach I obviously train people to do this. But when I get that time alone in my gym, and I'm generally only half an hour, 40 minutes in the gym, but I love lifting. I love lifting heavy. You feel good afterwards. Um, so being strong, I'm at a stage, I'm 80 kilos at the moment. My running weight is generally 68, 69. And that'll give you an idea that, <clears throat> of what I've prioritised in terms of my training, just fo- that focus on being strong. Um, you know, everything else then that comes with that reading, resting you know, good food, um, being with people, really, really important, just that social connection. And again, you think of the last two years, what we've lived through, just connecting with people as best you can. So all that really good stuff, trying to really immerse myself in it, trying to build on steps day by day, making plans every day to stay on top of this. Naturally enough, it falls by the wayside, but similar enough to back in that conversation about fighting emotions I don't fight missed sessions. I don't fight a bad day or when something hasn't happened or life. I don't like that saying life takes over when when you're not living. We're all here. We're there. So when it doesn't happen for me, if I miss a session, don't sleep. Well, right, we'll get it right the next day. And that's probably the next one, probably just a highlight. A part of that sleep is massive. And again, it's one of them is always thrown out. And I was very guilty of staying up till sort of half 12 one o'clock reading um, looking at how jelly beans are made on youtube or something i think i've seen that somewhere today actually but um just stupid stuff now look reading is great i love it it's such a nice way to sort of rest up and bring the day to a close but you know i was staying up way too late probably getting up too early and whilst my energy wasn't bad you're sort of at the stage well look an extra hour is not going to do me any harm. So, we cut off time now, particularly in the winter. Half 10, bed, good night, and God bless. And yeah, it's helping. Look, I feel good, I feel energetic. Uh, I want to try and keep on top of it as best I can. Sometimes it can't be done, but I'm doing my best to keep on top of it. And if I can keep it up regularly, five days a week I don't know but I'm gonna keep up trying because I've been at it now for a long time and it's really really helping um, and plus it's the winter you're not gonna miss it find it harder during the summer uh, I love the air I love the the bright nights where it may be bright 11 or half 11 and I almost feel like I'm missing something when I'm going to bed early so that's the challenge in that but all that stuff just longevity and health over performance it's really really helped And something I've been really enjoying. Second thing, new job. Um, I was in a job for a very, very long time in terms of my day job, over 10 years. And I value loyalty. It's one of my values, one of my principles, and I live it, and sometimes to the detriment. (coughs) And I maybe stayed in the job probably a little bit too long. But a good offer came along, sort of out of blue. It was something, I don't like the word headhunted, but something I got a call about. And in July... I made a change, absolutely terrified. It was, you know, change It's something that scares us all. <clears throat> Best thing I ever did. Best thing I ever did. And that change, that new environment, that new challenge um, has really helped in terms of my own growth, in terms of staying, I keep saying, a strong, confident, ready. It's really, really helped. It's a little bit of a different challenge. But what it's done is <clears throat> it's put me with different people um, with different ambitions, different focus, and that's helped me in other areas because along with that, I've restarted my own business, um, performance doc, something I've ran for a long time. In terms of fitness training, in terms of S&C, strength and conditioning training, pro- uh, predominantly with footballers, um, but it does tend to kind of branch out. And in terms of my overall life vision, like where I'm at with that now, is like I am gonna make this my job. I'm on it now. Like I'm gonna stop having that poor money mindset where. This little thing is something I do for an extra few quid, um, which is somewhat the meaning. like I want to do this, and the reason I want to do it is, number one, it helps me and makes me feel good about myself as a coach, as a leader, as a person, as someone who helps somebody. But I feel just giving myself fully to that is puts me in a position where I really can help people, and help people in terms of their health, mentally and physically. And this is why I want to make it work, and I will make it work. And what's really cool is this has all come on the back of, I had applied for the guards and I got accepted into the guards. I passed the interview process, which was awful. (laughs) It was SAS, who dares wins. It was, if you've ever seen those interrogation clips. um, Jesus, incredibly intense process. I got this into my head about three years ago that, yeah, look, I could be a good guard because I want to help people. It's never been an intention or an ambition of mine. But maybe looking back, again hindsight, as a wonderful educator, I was probably stuck in a rush professionally, not knowing what to do. And this seemed like a good outlet. And waited and waited and waited. I had put all my sort of trust and my hopes in this. And I think maybe, probably not getting it initially, uh, due to what happened last year. um, All around the world, it got put off and probably lost a little faith in it as well. Felt a little bit down on myself that would never happen and I'd be stuck in that other job forever. Um, But again, I think the time was great because I think just from talking to people and again, a good friend of mine, the great Dave Curlin, who I've mentioned many times in this podcast, great friend, mentor, he kind of said to me like, why are you joining the Guards? I couldn't really answer. And all I could come up with was, look, I have this great vision that, you know, you're working in a community helping people. To which he kind of said, look, you know, that's not how it's going to be. And he said, why are you going through all that and sacrificing so much just to help people? He says, because you already help people. And he says, sometimes, he says, you don't want to accept that because you're too modest. But you're helping people and you've done that all your life. You've done it through football. You've done it through all your mental health work. You don't need to put a badge on the stupid hat to help people. And he was right. You know, in I lack like of that, I was like, I actually don't want to do this. It's not for me. <clears throat> so I turned it down. And with clarity, I turned it down because I knew. I was like, I'm not going to regret this because I'm a performance coach. I'm a strength and conditioning coach. I'm somebody who helps people in terms of what I do. And there was no regrets with it. Absolutely no regrets. So that's where I'm at now. I think I started to back that in similar lines in terms of the coach. And I went back to football which was a massive part in terms of my overall mood, my self-belief, my confidence. I, <coughs> you know, some people may know, again, from listening to this podcast or just following my page, I've been involved with Shells, the Shells, Shellborn Army My Life. It's my club, it's who I've supported. And my lifetime ambition was actually to coach the first team, which I did for five years. Um, probably five years too long, maybe, I'm not sure, but I certainly finished up uh, completely and utterly drained um, I sort of felt I, I needed a break and maybe felt I wouldn't work in football again because it just took so much out of me it was such a big commitment in terms of League of Ireland football it's it's semi-professional but it's not it's a full-time job and in terms of the monetary you know uh, rewards it's not very big um, however following sort of two years out from it an opportunity came came up earlier this year to go in and work with our Women's National League team and having known a couple of players known it was a good squad i took the opportunity and it was the best thing i ever did um joint the most enjoyable year in football i've ever had uh, along with when i managed our under 18s in 2012. Uh, both seasons ended with league wins so maybe that's the correlation but look i always say in terms of trophies in terms of medals they gather dust you give trophies back but the medals in the mind will never go away and the group we worked with this year, just fantastic, really respectable group, really ambitious, really focused and just willing to learn and work hard and look, the group got their just reward and our team won the league um, in quite dramatic circumstances. But being around the staff, really good people, um, there was just, I felt I could be myself, I could bring me sense of humour, I could bring me personality to the, to the training ground, to the match days and not feel guilty about who he was. and it was wonderful it was wonderful and again in terms of kicking my business off that has helped so much because the profile a lot of these girls have as international players or just really well known players around the country has helped me pick up other clients and um, because these are the people I work with so I always kind of say when you're around that environment it does help it helps you carry yourself because you want to be professional what you want to be at your best and like I say you want to bring your own sort of I don't like really saying putting your own stamp on things because it's a bit that can be a bit overpowering. But you want to be who you are, not change and let people respect you for who you are. And I don't think I've always had that in a football setting. So just to be given that space, to be given that environment and to be welcomed into it, as me, myself, has been a massive driver in terms of the improvements relative to my mental health and my physical health this year. Um, it's been brilliant. And not once this year did I drive the training. I drive to a match feeling, oh Jesus, I don't want to be here. Um, It was fantastic and really grateful for sort of the support that the squad and the staff gave me and the trust that they placed in me as well as a professional because it's really helped me grow as a coach. Um, It's really helped me become better and really helped me kind of sharpen my ambitions and my drive to sort of be a full-time professional coach. So massive part in terms of my growth this year. Number three. Just connecting with new people, um, I suppose most of which was online, um, I think just with different coaches, different professionals, even with different clients that I'm working with, just getting people's different perspectives, whether it's on a Zoom call, a phone call, meeting someone for a coffee, you know, no agenda, just having a chat. And like I say, whether it's about coaching, football, mental health, just brilliant. And it's helped me get over that kind of imposter syndrome that I do often have. And I think imposter syndrome is, is one of those phrases that is almost thrown out a bit too much. But I've certainly have it. I've had it over the years. I have it regularly. I think the more and more people have spoke to, we're all there. We're all in that place, no matter what we do, whether you're an athlete, whether you're a coach, a businessman, a solicitor, whatever it is you do. I think everybody has that at some point. And I think it's just another obstacle to overcome. And my attitude on it now is we overcome enough obstacles, we stand and fight and step up against enough obstacles and enough fights in our way. That imposter syndrome is just another little fence you have to jump over and kind of learn to accept it and deal with it because it's not true. And there's always enough evidence I think behind you to kind of present to, to, to yourself, not to other people, but to present to yourself to say, you know what, I'm good at what I do and I'm going to keep learning and I'm going to get better. So number four, probably a really obvious one, just stay off the news. I haven't been on the RTE website, I haven't watched the news, I haven't gone near it um, in over a year. And my whole attitude is, if the world is going to end, I'm going to know about it very quickly. Something dramatic happens, I'm going to know about it. And stay off it, because it's bad news, it's never good. And I'll be selective about what I take in. Um, about what I'm looking for in terms of inspiration. And there's plenty of good books, plenty of good podcasts that can provide that that relief or that education. So yeah, the news, newspapers, headlines, it's a no-go. And I've been rather successful in that. Um, so long may that continue. The final one, number five, <clears throat> and probably the most important of all, is just embracing the time and the love of those closest to me, so my family around me. Uh, who have put up with a lot of shite in terms of my mood swings, in terms of me being down, in terms of worrying about me over the years. So to sort of repay that faith, repay that love, just being there. And what I mean by being there is just being present, not bending over backwards to do things, just out of spite to say thank you. It's just being there, being in the moment, showing people love, having laughs with people, turning the phone off and being there, And whether it's being as a dad, that's been just as part of the overall family um whether it has been as a partner whether whatever it is it's just being there with the people who are there in front of you, your loved ones who have grown up with you, spent the most time with you and have probably sacrificed more than I even realize just to pave a way uh, in terms of me sort of looking after myself and looking you know looking to get better and get stronger so absolutely massive so quick recap that's 40 minutes and it's well enough there's plenty to digest in that and i just hope it is helpful for people i'm springing into this i feel quite positive quite exciting enthusiastic and i hope now i can carry on and i'll pop out something else that's inspiring for next week but just to recap on that like five things i've really tried to immerse myself in i've used immerse probably way too much but that's kind of where i'm at this year it's just really throwing myself at stuff Um, but with structure and with plans. So longevity and health over performance was number one. Number two, new job, restarting my business, getting back into football coaching, just kind of categorising all that together. Number three, just connecting with new people, really interesting people. Number four, staying off the news. Number five, family, loving my family, being there for my family. And that's enough for today. I appreciate your time, it's 40 minutes. I wasn't sure how long this would go on to. But there's a lot in there to digest If anything doesn't make sense If you want to discuss this in any way further Please do drop me a message I'm always open to chatting to people Like I say Whether it's connecting through phone calls or otherwise Please do get in touch And as I said Please do leave a comment Um, Subscribe to the podcast iTunes, Spotify Wherever you listen to your podcasts And if you've enjoyed it Give it a share Give it a tag Let people know And that's where we're at You have a good day. Thanks very much for listening. Thanks for all the support over the year. And I'll talk to you soon.